Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster f- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me today, longtime friend of the show, yeah. NBA analyst, none other than Claude. Fly till I die, Lathan. Claude, how are we doing? Doing great. Happy to be on the show. And mm. it reminds me of the good old days yeah. back when we used to co-host, you know, a couple years ago. Oh. And um, good yeah, stuff. man, memories. So good true. stuff, man. Claude, I, I I had a whole other monologue planned for the show. And then oh, yeah? and then I realized you were coming on and I was like, I gotta talk basketball. That's a fact. How, how can I not talk basketball? I mean <laughs> I would hope. I mean, if I have Claude on the show without talking basketball, that's like having Gordon Ramsay on the show and not talking loud, angry English TV hosts. Like you have to do <laughs> what they're known for. Am I right? Come on. I, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I would I wouldn't expect anything less. I, I've uh, only got so many talents, but uh, one of them I, I think is basketball. Basketball, man. And we're down to the finals. Say what? Can you believe it? The finals. Yeah, man. These Eastern and, and Western Conference finals have been crazy and um, ready to see who holds up that Larry O'Brien trophy for the first time. And in years, it's not going to be someone named LeBron, yeah. Kobe, or Steph. Yeah. And now, before the playoffs started, I ask you, listeners may remember this is back at the end of April, I asked Claude for his top four from the West that he thought could make it to the finals and his top four from the East that he thought could make it to the finals. Yes! And for the West, he had Denver, Clippers, Suns, Lakers. So he got two. He got the two right for the West Conference. He got Clippers and mm-hmm. Suns. For the East, you had the Bucks, Nets, Knicks, and Sixers. So you missed the Hawks. Mm-hmm. How surprising is it that the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals? So I'm not surprised. You know, I thought that the Knicks had a winnable matchup against the Hawks mm-hmm. um, in their round, but um, I, I have to be completely honest. Uh, you know, give Trey Young and, and the Hawks credit where it's due. I think that uh, Bogdanovich played extremely well. Mm-hmm. Gallinari played extremely well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, um, I, I honestly think it was more about Philadelphia than it was about Atlanta. Mm. And you had. Joel Embiid walking around with a partially torn, you know, minor torn. I don't think there's anything such as a minor tear in a in a knee injury, but you know, Not a partially that torn big. meniscus. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And with his injury history, and the man still put up 28, 10 and a half, and a block and a half in that series. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, just throughout the playoffs, it was um, overall it was it was insane. And yeah. again, no no taking away from the Hawks, but I think it came down to a Ben Simmons issue mm. and the Hawks exploited it. Um, mm. Ben Simmons just said, basically, I'm, I'm going to focus on my defense. Wham. And when Tobias Harris turns into your second uh, offensive go-to player and your third is kind of a drop down with Seth Curry, yeah, uh, it, it's just, you can't pay somebody a max contract, in my opinion. 
um, and lose in the second round of the playoffs doing what he nope. did. So Simmons, you know, he, he averaged, I think, 14. Um, he averaged less than seven assists for the first time in his career this regular season, 6.9. So 14, 6.9, and 7.2 rebounds. Mm. In the playoffs, his points dropped from 14 to 11.9. Mm. His assists and rebounds were up. That's fine. That's great. You're great defensively. Um, but Atlanta completely exploited them, and they said, you don't want to go to the free throw line, you don't want to shoot the ball, so we're going to let Trey Young do what he does, and if the role players play the, the way that they're supposed to, then we're not going to have any issues, and that's mm. exactly what happened. So that's right. kudos to the Hawks, but I think it was more on the 76ers and Ben Simmons. Mm. Mm. Now, how what what's the biggest surprise of the playoffs so far? Hawks winning, Lakers losing, or Chris Paul throwing down a self oop in warm ups. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I mean, everyone forgets Chris Paul has some athleticism. <sighs> now, during All Star Weekend, he was throwing some alley oops. I think he actually got a, a lob from yeah. half court and yeah. dunked it. I believe we talked about that on the last show. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm obviously a LeBron fan and um, I, I appreciate greatness. And that's with anybody who has talent like that, which is few and far in between. But you just appreciate the greats while you have them. Um, you know, I don't want to criticize too much, but the Lakers were uh, in a bad situation with their roster and injuries and mm-hmm. the camaraderie. They just didn't have time to click. But um, I'm going to go with Chris Paul on that one. Yes. I think uh, yes. that's just it's great to see him with those young legs. 30, 36 years young, man. 36 years mm-hmm. young. Now, would the Nets be in the Eastern Conference Finals right now if KD would have just accepted the name Slim Reaper? What do you hmm. think? Yes. I think yes. if I think if he had a regular sized foot, then <laughs> he would he would have been in it. But no, honestly, man, the Nets. Um, here's my thing with them: I, they're obviously a juggernaut when healthy, mm-hmm. and um, Kyrie going down didn't help. James Harden playing on one leg didn't help. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other teams in this in these playoffs with the condensed schedule, shortened season. Um, there was way more injuries this year than there ever has been uh, in the regular season and playoffs for as far as like superstars go or um, you know star caliber players. So here's my thing about it: Kevin Durant um, has proven that he, unfortunately, and I'm a Kevin Durant fan again, appreciate greatness, but he's proven that he cannot win as the man on a team. He's never done it. Mm. Never done it. He he went to the finals one year early in his career with the OK three of Harden and Westbrook and. Um, lost. He got smacked down by LeBron's heatles. And outside of that, he hasn't been able to lead a team back. Every championship or um, every big you know, run he's had in the playoffs, he's had an amazing supporting cast around him. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he doesn't have uh, Steph Curry with him and, and, you know, Golden State's original big three, who knows what happens there. And then obviously uh, in Brooklyn, this was his chance to shine. He had a chance to really see if he could be that guy on the team with his players being his other star players being hurt or injured and, and just not themselves. And uh, I can't knock the guy's offensive player, uh, you know, or, excuse me, offensive performance. Mm. But what I will say is I'm not trying to bring comparisons up, but people talk about passing the torch and, and we mentioned LeBron who's been going to take that torch from him for years now. Mm-hmm. LeBron gets no slack when it comes to what roster he has around him. It doesn't matter if his players are hurt or not. He's the most criticized player in American professional sports history. And I, I can't give Kevin Durant a bye for how great he was because his team lost. They lost in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. At least LeBron loses in the finals. I mean, I, come on. Well, this year he lost in the first round. 
But he well, usually yeah, in, in history. Yeah, yes. exactly. History shows. Now, as far as most impressive performances, then who are we giving it to? Giannis, KD, Donovan Mitchell, Booker, Trey Young. Who's got the most impressive solo performance? So far. Hmm. Yeah, so offensively, Kevin Durant obviously up there, multiple 40-point games, but his team didn't win. Mm -hmm. Um, Donovan Mitchell, amazing throughout the playoffs. He came back. He didn't play at the end of the regular season. He was injured, came back really strong in the playoffs. He did lose Mike Conley against the Clippers, but Mm -hmm. they also, the Clippers lost Kawhi, and and Utah had a great chance. The best team they've ever had in franchise history. Um Arguably, I mean, it's top three, no doubt, but arguably the best team they've ever had. And you can't beat a Kawhi-less yeah. uh, Clipper team. Blue so I, I can't go yeah. with Donovan. Yeah. Um, I can't say Giannis because he's putting up numbers that are ungodly numbers. I mm-hmm. mean, just absolutely stat-stuffing the sheets. But I can't go with Giannis as the best individual performer because he can get you to the end of the game but the best performer has to be the finisher. Mm-hmm. And he can't shoot free throws. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton is by far their best he's closer. closer. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. he's proven that. So I can't say Giannis. Um, I would say, you know, Booker is up there with Trey Young in their performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say it's either Booker or Young because they've gone furthest in the playoffs. But I just want to give a special shout out to Luka Doncic because Luka uh, – Let's just say right now, or you can see right now, that Pat Beverly is the main defender on Devin Booker in the mm-hmm. conference finals in the West. Uh, Pat Bev couldn't crack the down. rotation. Yeah. He couldn't crack the rotation against Luka. Luka made him, you know, he, he said, you're too small for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Pat Bev was averaging about five minutes a game after game one. It was unreal. Um, so Luka was destroying Paul George. He got Pat Beverly. No playing time. Um, I just don't think he had the best team, but I would say I was I was most impressed with Luca. Yeah, the only person that and that was the question that I had that whole season was or that whole uh, that that whole uh, series was why don't you have Kawhi on him the whole time? Because when Kawhi was yeah. on him, he wasn't. I mean, he was he was uh, a good player. He wasn't the uh, superhero. Like he was with everybody else guarding him. When anybody else was guarding him, he was absolutely unstoppable and made every single shot. Kawhi slowed him down to be being a great player. So like, and it, that's two years in a row. That's two years in a row. He's faced the Clippers in the first round and absolutely destroyed Paul George and and Pat Beverly. It's, yeah. it's, I'm with you though. I, why don't you make the correct you know coaching changes? Obviously. Dallas didn't win, so it, it's it is what it is. But uh, man, if Luca, <clears throat> if he had a little bit more help, who yeah. knows how that series goes? Yeah. Speaking of the Clippers, did Mark Jackson miss a perfect opportunity with this catchphrase? Mama, there goes that man when talking about Terrence Mann. He never used it when Terrence Mann was going off. What? Wouldn't have that been a perfect pun? Am I the only one that Our- thought that? So you're going to have to, we got to do some research here and you're going to have to fact check me. Okay. I'm pretty positive that there was a play when Terrence Mann had his big game in the playoffs. He used it? And he said, I think he said, <sighs> there goes that man, man. And he, he double manned it. Man, I, I must have missed it. Oh man, I must have walked I'm out of the room sure that time. That's a great catch though. I, cause I was watching the whole time, like the whole first three quarters of him going off, and there was a little bit that I missed in the fourth quarter, and I was like, 
I bet he didn't say it then either. I bet you that's when he said it. Man. Oh, if he said it then, I'm going to be so... <laughs> I'm gonna be sad. I can't remember. He he said it one of two ways. He either said it, there goes that man, man, or he said it, uh, and he put emphasis on the man because right. to right. insinuate the last thing he said, there goes that man, pause. yeah, man, <sighs> yeah, man. I missed it. I missed it. Okay, we'll Ga- look it up. <laughs> games on the line. Trey Young, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, all on your bench. Who are you telling for that last shot? Who's going in? Hmm. Best shooter in the NBA's history, uh, history, not even just the NBA, probably the history of the world, uh, is Steph Curry, and I'm not taking him. Um, Trey Young is phenomenal, and he's, you know, one of those logo shooters. I'm not taking him. I think it's Dame time. Boom. I agree. I did. I did some research on this to to see what the stats were, and and I could really only find stats up to about February of um, earlier this year. So these these stats have changed. But as of February 2021, uh, Damian Lillard has 25 game tying or go ahead shots mm-hmm. in the final 20 seconds of the fourth quarter or overtime. Mm-hmm. That is more than any other player in the league since Damian Lillard was drafted and came into the league in 2012 out of Weber State. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. That man has a clutch gene and, you know, again, you can't go wrong with Trey or, or obviously Steph. I mean, how do you... You just have confidence there's only one with guy. Dollar, though. You have yeah, this confidence. Yeah, there's only one guy I take away from... Um, from Steph, and that and that's Dame. I have to choose him. In that, la- like you said, in the last twenty seconds, that's the thing. Is like he is just you. Just have like I mean, in that series with Denver, I know they ended up losing, but those first two shots that he nailed at the end, I was just like, it's going in, and it did. And you're just like, I mean, when he misses one, you're just sitting there going, did he actually miss that? Did that happen? That's not supposed exactly. to happen. Like that's weird. <laughs> Like, I mean, he's just so money at the end of the game. So impressive. I hope, you know, you've been talking a lot about CP3 and how, you know, it's nice. It would be nice to see him get a a trophy eventually, a a championship. I'd like to see that for Dame. Dame needs to get one at some point in time. I want to see Dame. And, I mean, I wish it was with Portland. Mm -hmm. It's probably not going to be. Let's be honest. I'm wondering if... Yeah, I'm wondering if he's going to request a trade. I, I, he's, he is one of the few players left in the in the NBA um, that kind of has that old school mentality of I'm going to stick it out with my team. And very true. Um, I respect. You know, it. I'm I'm hoping Portland does something this year because they're going to have to in order to keep him long term. Uh, final question, real quick: Who's winning it all? Hmm. Oh man, uh, my my want to win it all is Phoenix because yes, I would love to see. Uh, Chris Paul win a championship, and I don't know if he's going to have uh, another chance like this. He's like yeah. you said earlier; he's 36 years young, but at the same time, that's 36 years old. So who knows uh, how that's going to go? I'd love to see him win, um, but I've got a a feeling that it's going to be really, really tough. Um, if the Bucks make it to the finals. Yeah. Um, like I said, Chris Middleton will close those games. He's going to have to play really, really big for them. Brooke Lopez is going to have to step up. But to control Giannis for an entire 48 minutes is is near impossible. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. That's a good warm-up for the show. I think everybody Woo. that hasn't been an NBA fan has already stopped listening. But so the true. NBA fans are still listening. <laughs> so that's good. Are you ready to fire the show up, Claude? Hmm. Let's get it going. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, 
one, zero, and lift off. Woo! Man, we've got a good show today. No, no, scratch that. We've got a great show today. Uh, we have got the fantastic music artist Flurry on the show. You probably heard her music and didn't know you heard her music on movies, music. She's been all over the place as far as that goes. That's She's right. She's got millions of streams on Spotify. She's going out with our recent uh, guest, Colony House on tour starting in September. Can't wait to talk to her. We're going to do that soon. But first, we got to start mm -hmm. where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Oh, I love this segment. Well, yes, who doesn't, right? <laughs> so true. Now, these, it, it's it's good. Uh, we got one basketball on here. We've got all sports, actually. Turns out that apparently June 30th, athletes were born. I don't know. Uh, a lot of famous athletes. So this first one, I'm pretty confident. I, I mean, like, how good are you with bo boxing? Do you watch a lot of boxing? No? I, I keep up with the big fights. I know a little bit here and there. Okay, this one, regardless, this was before your era, but, like, you know him. So here we go. Born on June 30th, 1966 in New York City, our birthday suit wearer, didn't know his biological father, and his mother wasn't around too often. Later in life, our birthday suit wearer said, I never saw my mother happy with me and proud of me for doing something. She only knew me as a wild kid running the streets, coming home with new clothes uh, that she knew I didn't pay for. By the age of 13, he had been arrested not exaggeration, 38 times. Wow. He, he was sent to a juvenile detention center where a counselor and former boxer discovered that our birthday suit wearer was really, really good at boxing. So true. He was introduced to, uh, introduced to Custom Auto, who trained him, and our birthday suit made his uh, professional debut in March 1985. Out of his first 28 fights, 16 of them were KOs in the first round. Jeez. He became the undisputed world champion in 1987. Also in 1987, Nintendo made a video game about it. So him. true. He held the title until 1990 when he was knocked out by Buster Douglas in what was considered one of the biggest upsets of all time. Sent to prison for rape charges in 1992 and was released in 1995. He regained his title, but eventually lost to Evander Holyfield, a fight which I have assigned program in the studio right above me, right here. That's right. He's known as one of the greatest fighters of all time. His final career record is 50-6, and six, with 44 of those wins coming by knockout. Name that Ooh. birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Is it? I mean, I honestly, I my original thought was going down to Evander Holyfield, and then you said he fought him. I, is it Mike Tyson? It is Mike Tyson. Correct. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Forty-four knockouts. Four. That is insane. Forty-four knockouts, man. He was a knockout king, no doubt. A Whew. knockout king i mean and that's what made him so just like frightening when he was a fighter because when he became champion people just expected him to knock everyone out like literally so first round they're gonna knock him out uh um evander holyfield was actually like the opposite that's a fact people didn't i mean he was undersized for a uh, a heavyweight and people thought he wasn't mm -hmm. big enough and strong enough to actually knock people out and he didn't really knock that many people out um 
So yeah, it's uh, Tyson though. Ooh, ooh, yes! back in those early, uh, those late eighties. Scary man. That's right. Scary. And his rematch, uh, you know, him coming out of retirement for these exhibition matches. Yeah, Jones. I w- yeah. Oh man, yeah. I I wish that they would let Jones is lucky because if they were letting them go full swing, uh, I I still think Tyson's got the power to, no, to yeah. give a knockout. Even what is he now? He's he's fifty. Turning. Let's see. What was it? He is uh, sixty. Was it sixty six? Yeah. So fifty five. Turning fifty five. Fifty five years old, and he could still probably whoop. You know, ninety oh. percent of people his his age or younger. He could de- demolish me in three seconds. That's a fact. Three seconds. <laughs> I mean, I saw some of that warm up, like you said, some of his training for that uh, that fight with uh, Jones. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo. No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, Man. enjoy fifty five. Celebrate it, Mike. Have a good time. Enjoy it. Happy birthday, uh, Claude. You ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. All right. Now, as you know, Claude, I read out some headlines uh, every now and then, just the headline. Here's one from uh, Yahoo News. Hmm. Uh, Quote, redneck rave descends into throat slashing, impalements, and mass arrest. Huh? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what state, please explain. What state do you think that's in, Claude? What state? Uh, let's go South Carolina. I knew you were going to go for the home state, but no, it's not your home state, Claude. Kentucky, oh. the bluegrass uh, state. Yeah. So, man. Apparently, there's a big, uh, well, there was, uh, I guess it's semi big music festival t- titled Redneck Rave. Put on by an uh, artist named Justin Time. And uh, I checked him out on Spotify. Uh, some of his songs titled included uh, The Second Amendment, Rebel Till I Die, and Big Red Chevy. Word. So the title of this article is probably starting to make a little bit more sense to you. Um, the, <laughs> the Redneck Rave advertised that they had a demolition derby, goldfish racing. Huh? And this is the one that really got me. A full-scale football game. Wait, what? Which Oh I'm, man. I'm I'm no. not sh- like how does that work? I, I I'm not sure like why they're so proud that they could find an area for a full-scale football game. They're like, "Somehow we did it. We found 100 yards, everybody, and we did it." Like I it's <laughs> So w- weird. Um, so during the event- I'm highly interested in the goldfish racing as well. Yeah. Like how does how does that work, and how do you get them to go in a straight line? I don't. I don't think you can. Honestly, nope. I don't know. I <laughs> I really I I don't know. Uh, so nope. during the events, a woman was strangled until she passed out. Jeez. Uh, a person lost their finger. Uh, another pe- a person was impaled by a log and had to be airlifted to the hospital. Wow. Uh, six festival goers face felony charges. And uh, Justin, the guy that put it on, the uh, rapping country rapping artist that put it on, said, It was the biggest event we've ever done. And with as many people and random things that popped up unexpectedly, I think we handled it very well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with Justin on that. One. I, it, it sounds like there yeah. were some 
small casualties there. I, I don't know. Now, after I enticed everybody with all that awesome info, like the uh, goldfish racing, don't worry. Justin is putting on another one in October. Sweet. So, oh, so, are we going? So if you're looking to lose a finger or perhaps <laughs> play a full-scale football game surrounded by scenes that I could only imagine look like deliverance on meth, That's a fact. Uh, you can go to the next Redneck Rave. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ooh, yeah. I, I might have to look into that. It sounds like, Ooh. you know, you... you you wear your jorts or something out there, almost like it's a knockoff NASCAR vibe, and I, you just go for it. I feel like I'm going to have to look from a safe distance. So true. If there's some kind of viewing <laughs> gallery, I don't know. Um, Claude, have you ever thought of stealing a yacht? Hmm. So the honest answer is yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, there's absolutely no way that I would ever do it, nor yeah. would I be able to pull it off if I tried. It, yeah. But I, I think that anybody who's ever been out on the water before or yeah. near it and has seen a yacht has wished that it was their yacht. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's I, I feel like if you're stealing a yacht, you better have some sort of buyer you know, per, like on the black market halfway across the world or mm -hmm. some way to get yourself halfway across the world, you know? Um, apparently, this dude in the next story in Vermont didn't have such a plan. Nope. Uh, so, now I know what you're probably thinking. Claude's probably thinking it. Listeners are probably thinking it. Vermont? Vermont doesn't have any ocean around it. So true. Well, you're right. That's true. This dude <laughs> decided he was going to steal a yacht on a lake. Yes! Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, last Tuesday, somebody reported a 48-foot <laughs> yacht stolen around Rouse's Point in New York. Police tracked the boat down later that day to Burton Island, which is about eight miles away from Rouse's Point, of course, on the same lake. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They, uh, they found 56-year-old Robert Morris driving the boat and arrested him on charges of operating without the owner's consent and possession of stolen property, which... Word. I gotta be honest, really doesn't feel like the biggest charge they could have given him. You know? Like... Like, they could have gone Grand Theft Yacht. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, operating without the owner's consent? Mm. That sounds like something you'd get charged with if you, like, took your uncle's sports car when he was out on vacation. And they'd be like, ah, you rascal, you didn't get his consent. <laughs> get on, like, just seems sort of weird. Also, I mean, obviously, did this dude really think he was going to get away with this, like... On the same lake, yeah. I, I just can't get over that. I, you know, again, yeah. even when I've contemplated how much I wanted somebody else's yacht, like, God, I mean, come, come on. on, yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit more than that. Come, on, just think, think about it a little bit. Oh, uh, this is one of my favorites, uh, Claude. I've got important news for any listeners in Westerville, Ohio. <gasps> Westerville. Well, we know that we get a ton of listeners from there, so I know they're ready to hear this. Amen. 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 Yes. Well, I mean, basically, any city that I say, Claude, it's going to be a given that there's going to be lots of listeners. <laughs> uh, yes. There's a bit of a crime spree going on in Westerville, Ohio, uh, and it's happened at the Aldi's grocery store. Yes. Yes. 
a woman reached out to NBC4 and she recounted her story of the crime happening. So she was shopping on Sunday, June 20th, just before noon at the Westerville Aldi. Uh, she says she unloaded her groceries and returned her cart. And she returned back to her car. When she got there, she found a pair of woman's underpants stuffed under the driver's door handle. Wait, what? Oh, that is um, very gross. <laughs> Less than 24 hours later, the same thing happened to another woman. So, uh, so there's a panty stuffer running around. That's right. That's that is right, Claude. The, the Westerville police said, quote, if you are any place and come outside and see an undergarment hanging on a door handle, call local law enforcement immediately. It will aid <laughs> Red flag. in our investigation <laughs> efforts. Huh? So, a couple things, Claude. First of all, is it just me... Or does it make the Westerville police seem a little pervy when they're like, hey, hey, any undergarments? Let us know. All right, we'll be Sweet. there. Just uh, let us know where they are <laughs> and we'll come check it out. Like, I just, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like, if I hadn't heard the Westerville police uh, uh, make this comment, would you actually have called them before that? Hmm. Like, I wouldn't have. I totally would have. Yeah, you'd just be like, I, I mean, what? You, you never know till you're in that situation. Yeah, but I, I feel like I've got a pretty good sense of humor and would just be like one of my friends is pranking me or something and moved on. But yeah. it's a huge red flag, apparently. I, I mean, honestly, that's what I saw when I read this. I was like, what? No, I'd just like, you know, get something, like get a stick from a tree and just... Pull, pull them off and be like, okay, move on. <laughs> but apparently those two ladies are like, call the police now. Like, what? Weird. Uh, no, God forbid get... that happens and you, you wake up to a pair of panties stuck yeah, under your car. The <laughs> worst, the worst apparently for these folks. Um, okay, one more story here before we go to break. Uh, Claude, do you ever play the lottery? Hmm. Uh, I do like to buy a scratch off every now and then. I'm, I don't uh, really invest a ton into it, but I'll do that. And then when like the Mega Millions mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. just the regular lottery just skyrockets, I'll, I'll throw in a couple yeah. bucks here and there to see what happens. Yeah, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't play the lottery. I just never have purchased one. I've never thought, I, mean, I might do it here in a couple of days. I don't know. I might see if I get, I've just. Try it out. You know, I, I who knows? We're going to find out that I have a gambling problem and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop showing up to the show and become homeless because I spent too much on lottery tickets. But yeah, this is not about my gambling problem, Claude. This is, uh. This is about <laughs> Leah Fiega of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, she plays almost every day, and she usually plays at Lucky Stop Convenience Store, which is right beside her work. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in March, she went over to Lucky Stop, bought some $30 Diamond Million scratch-off tickets. Uh, Ooh, fancy. She, yeah, yeah. She scratched them. She looked and saw she didn't win. Uh, and she handed the used tickets back to the cashier to throw away. Which, they said that in the article, and I was like, that seems like a sort of turd move. Like, can't you throw away your own mm -hmm. tickets? 
But anyways, so the cashier took the tickets and he just put them down beside the register and because he just like accumulates apparently a bunch of old tickets like that. And one night, the shop owner's son, Abby, was working and uh, happened to look at the tickets and realize that she didn't scratch off one of the squares on the tickets. What? When he did, he scratched it and realized it was a $1 million ticket. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, now the owner of the store knew, knew whose ticket was right away, and he gave the ticket back to Leah. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and she ended up winning a million dollars. Did mean, she give any of it to, or maybe she, it wasn't reported, but I would hope she would have given something to she that said gentleman. She, they didn't say how much. She said she gave him a prize. What? Word. What? Mm. What now, does that mean? Yeah, yeah, which I gotta ask, Claude. I mean, is it bad karma if you don't tell her about the ticket? Because, like, I mean... To me, hmm. she gave it to you. It was her error. Like, we, we consider the lottery a game. There are plenty of times that a player does something stupid in a basketball game and hands the other team the game. They don't go, oh, that was dumb. No, no, no that's your win. Right? No, no, they take the win. Right. Like, yeah, I, I think there's two aspects to this. The first one is a legality, which is she purchased the ticket, so it's her ticket technically. But nobody, she would have never known if he hadn't said anything. So the other aspect is the moral compass of do I give this back to the person who purchased it or do I, you know, and, and hope no bad karma comes around, like you said, or do I just, you know, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what I would do in that situation, to be honest. To me, I mean, she technically gave it to me. She may have paid for it, but she said here and handed it back over. That's right. It's not my fault that she doesn't know how to actually work her own scratch-off tickets. All right, that's yeah. I mean. And I, I also think it's not good scratch-off etiquette because, like I said, I don't, I don't play frequently, but I play every now and then. And part of the fun is you go out to your truck, you get a penny or your key or something, and you yeah. know you you do your scratch-off there, and then you throw it away when you go home or whatever. But I've never. Just I, I'm, I've seen it done before. I don't just stand in the store yeah. and scratch yeah. it off and hand it back. So I, I think it's on her for giving it back. Well, like, like I was thinking about it this way. Like if she had won, she would saw she won, and as she was leaving the store, it accidentally fell out of her pocket. Yeah, you have to return that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, to me, that dude could have turned in the lottery ticket, kept $980,000, and gave her 20000 and been like... Thanks for giving me the winning <laughs> ticket and still been a good Samaritan. Like, Thank that's you. still, to me, he deserves the prize, or at least a 50-50 split. I'm just saying. Yeah. Leah's very lucky. Very, very lucky for having that million dollars. Uh, if that's not good Samaritan of the year, I don't know what is. It's, uh, it's definitely in the top five, no doubt. Uh, Claude, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, Flurry. This is off of her album, Portals, Here's right here. This is Nomad on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKR 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. That's right. Listeners, if you haven't yet downloaded the podcast, you need to do so. That's a fact. Plenty of places out there to do it. You can do it on Apple. You can do it on SoundCloud. You can do it on Verbal. You can do it on Stitcher. You. The point is... There are a lot of places you can download the podcast. And when you do, you make me a very happy person. So true. It makes me a happy person. So do yourself. Be a good Samaritan, like the dude in our last story. And instead of winning me a million dollars, just download the podcast. That's way easier than winning me a million dollars, right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. It would help us out. And while you're at it, you know, give the Instagram a, a look over. Check out our Instagram. Claude likes everything. He's nice enough to do that. He likes every <laughs> single one of our posts because he's a nice guy. And so you should true. be a nice guy like Claude. Come on now. Uh, we need to give some shout outs, Claude, of the people that do listen to the show. Uh, first off, I've gone to shouting out the regulars. Well, actually, I've done a lot of these where I, I do them now at a fast pace. I don't know if you've heard this. I just do this all in one breath here. Okay. We get them all in one breath. So here we go. Here are the regulars. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Ashburn, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Katy, Texas, Peoria, Illinois, Winfield, West Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Boardman, Oregon, Sp uh, San Diego, California, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. There we go. Regulars. Love it. Regulars. Thank you, guys. Yes. Now, we've had a lot. We had a lot of just sort of uh, random places. So I, uh, I, I, I put them all together. For a little shout out to some of the random places we have uh, this week. So here are the random places. Shout out to Salyersville, Kentucky, Wilmington, Massachusetts, Cleveland, Ohio, Mobile, Alabama, Irvington, New Jersey, Beaumont, California, Pryor, Oklahoma, New Orleans, Syracuse, New York, Leesburg, Georgia, Tus Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Sacramento, California, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Coatesville, Indiana, Wilmington, North Carolina, and Temp, Arizona. Shout out. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that that's Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa? Of course. Yes. It's 100%. 100%. Uh, either that or just the whole team listening as one unit. Hmm. They probably just put I, it on during their practices, <laughs> would be my guess. I, I heard a rumor that um, that Nick Saban, when he's not, he, he's, he either does one of two things. He's either winning championships mm -hmm. or, or he's listening to the Doc G. So show. true. 100%. Yes. Correct. That's not a rumor. <laughs> that's a fact. That's a fact. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Nick, for listening to our show. We really appreciate it. Amen. You know, I think I could hang out with Nick. I, I feel like, I mean, he puts on his, you know, serious airs when he's doing his interviews and stuff, but he seems like a guy you can hang out with. I think so. Yeah. I think seems so. Seems pretty cool. He, he, he kind of looks like a, um, oh, who's the actor? He's like Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> I could see that. Yes. I would, I, I would like to hang out with both of them at the same time, and I feel like they'd want to have some sort of whiskey drink or something on the rocks and and just talk about like some sort of really manly thing. I think that, you know, I mean, now that you mentioned it, I think if they have a uh, if they have a Nick Saban like, you know, movie at some point in time in the near future, they need to have Billy Bob Thornton as the uh, as the actor. 
That would be perfect. One hundred percent. That's that the be, most accurate comparison I can think of. Yeah, that'd, that'd, that'd be good. Uh, I was thinking maybe they were from the f- same state, but I just checked it out. Billy Bob Thornton's from Arkansas, and uh, I know I know Nick's from West Virginia. But, you know, yeah, close enough. Uh, anyways, <laughs> thanks for everybody, including Nick Saban, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, Claude, we almost had all 50 states this past week, but a few states ruined the victory for us. Blame. Um... Mm. I don't want to place blame, but I will. Uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, and New Hampshire. You guys ruined it. Girl, come on. You ruined the Dakotas, it. Dakotas, they're still Bo- there, right? Both Dakotas did not listen. They did not listen oh, to our show. Blame. Uh, Wyoming, and I mean, I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. You're like, hey, those states don't really have a lot of people. Well, guess what? Vermont did it, and they have less people than all of those states except for Wyoming. Okay? So, And I lived on. in Wyoming. You did? Man, I for us for a couple months I worked out on a ranch in Wyoming. I'm gonna have to start sharing the show so we Ex- get some Wyoming yes. listeners. Yes, tell the people in Jackson Hole. That's right. They need to need to get on the Doc <laughs> G show now. Now, so true. Anyways, I got a couple of leftover stories here. Um, couple interesting ones. This one, this one's really. Uh, this one's a bad story, but it's also just really weird. So. This came out of North Carolina. There was a dude charged with the horrific crime of strangling his girlfriend. And then oh God. yeah, and then trying to dispose of the body. And this is where this is really just gets super weird. So he tried to dispose the body with a girl he knew from social media. Huh? He he, he, this guy tried to contact a girl that he had apparently solely known through social media for five years. He had only never met in person. No, only known her on social media, and he told her, "Hey, I killed my girlfriend, and uh, I need to get rid of the body. Can you help me out?" What? Huh? And, 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 and this wasn't some sort of like coup to to start dating the other no, person. Well, and of course the lady was like, uh, this seems like a job for the police. So she called up the cops and told him the story and where he told her to meet him. And when he showed up, there were a bunch of cops waiting for him. And of course, he had a dead body in his car. What? Wow. I, I mean, I, there's so many, like, first, I think the first thing that I thought about with this story was I was just like, what did he and this lady talk about on social media that makes makes this dude think that it would be cool when he uh, texts her up and is like, hey, uh, so I need to dispose of a body. Uh, would you help me out with that? And he actually thinks that she is like, yeah, that'd be cool. Nope. When What time? Like... What are you guys talking about that that's an okay topic? Or is he just that weird? Like, I mean, just... What? Hmm. what? Yeah, I mean, you, like, first off, you have to be some sort of a nut job to strangle your girlfriend. and But then, secondly, to, to think that someone you've never met have zero trust with outside yeah. of some messaging. Like, yeah. it just seems like it was an avalanche of dumb decisions. Yeah, I mean, which brings me to the point you're saying, you know, you have zero trust in, like, you would think, like, out of all the possible people that are involved in your life, you chose the random lady you talked to on Instagram that you were like, yeah, that one, 
Ah, weird. So weird, Claude. Such yeah. Now, I mean, he he must have wanted to get caught. I, I mean, that, that you gotta think. You gotta think. Uh, but then again, we think logically, and he clearly doesn't. Probably, uh, apparently not. Uh, Claude, what's the fastest you've ever been caught for speeding? Hmm. Hmm. How do you know I've been caught for speeding? I'm just guessing. I think it's odds of, of the people in America, you know? So true. Yeah, I, I've had, uh, I had some run-ins uh, when I first started driving. Mm-hmm. I think I was pulled over for like an 80 in a, um, I think it was an 80 and a 65 Ooh. or something like that. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. I, uh, Not horrible. I, t- I told the story, this was a long time ago on the show, but I was trying to catch a flight in Char- uh, Charlotte, and I got caught going over 100, uh, which was... Wow. Yeah, and the, the cop, got to give a shout-out to whoever that cop was. I don't remember his name, but he gave, me, he, he gave me seven over. It was a 70, and he took it down to 77. He could have impounded my car because I was going 105. So another good Samaritan, you know, he, he did, he, 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 he was looking out for me. Well, in, in Maine this past week, cops arrested a dude going 110 in a 45. Jeez. Yeah. And apparently the officer was checking speeds in Fairfield when a car came flying by him, 65 miles per hour over the speed limit. The cop followed the car to a convenience store where the passenger jumped out of the car and ran into the store to use the bathroom. Hmm. The driver said he had only been going fast because his dra- his passenger had to use the bathroom really, really bad. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, qu- I have a question for you about that. I'm just curious your take here. What, you have two options if that's true. You either do what he did and speed and go let your friend use the bathroom, or you pull over on the side of the road and say that you're just going to have to do it now. Yeah. Both of which you're either going to get in trouble for like public indecency or speeding, but which one would you do? Oh, I'd do the pull over. Let my friend get in trouble for public indecency. You got to pee, it's your fault. I'm not getting arrested for your peeing. No way. Second, if yeah. I'm that passenger, I'm not jumping out of the uh, convenience store. I don't want to get shot. Nope. I'm. I'm. If there's a cop chasing me, there's no way I'm jumping out there. I'm getting permission first before I jump out. I, mm-mm. Not, not. Happening. I think you just go ahead and I think you just go ahead and wet your britches at that point. Oh. Bring me out. I, 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 no win situation. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, what? So, so when I read that, I was like, whoa, whoa, what a friend that driver is, putting it all on the line so his friend doesn't have to pee his pants. But then this is the thing that's very <laughs> interesting about the story, Claude. The very last line of the article says. The driver was arrested on driving under the influence. Wait, what? What? So disregard all of the yeah. other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the title of the article was Speeding Motorist Who Said Passenger Had to Go Was Arrested. Word. Yeah. The, the driver was arrested because he was drunk. That's why he was arrested. Like, well, now we know why the passenger had to go. Exa- they had too much to drink, both of them. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's just what? Oh, come on! I feel like you know some of these stories are really just. I I love listening to them, 
because I have nothing uh, like I'm not affiliated with any of these people whatsoever. So they're fun to listen to, but man, it really makes you scratch your head about the type of people we live with around here. Well, honestly, though, I just I it makes me scratch my head about the author of this article that I'm like, you really buried. The, the the important fact of this story. I mean, it makes me feel like they were searching for something to write about, and they're like, oh. And then they found out that he got arrested for being a drunk driver, and he's like, oh, hmm. Yeah, that's not as interesting. That doesn't really... There's a lot of drunk drivers out there. Uh, we'll just put that at the bottom. There we go. Okay, that's I got not going to get the clicks. Exactly. Oh, man. man. Anyways, Claude, are you ready for the second birthday suit? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I think I did okay on the first one. You got so it. You nailed see it. if we can go two for two. I'm yeah. pretty sure you can get this one. Uh, this is... Uh, we'll see. Big, the biggest Olympian of, of all time, arguably. Uh, born June 30th, 1985 in Baltimore, Maryland, our birthday suit wearer was a very active child, and his family suggested swimming for an outlet for all of his energy. He started swimming at the age of seven, mm. had a national record by the age of 10. At the uh, young age of 15, he qualified for the Olympics in 2000. He didn't end up winning. He placed fifth in the 200-meter butterfly. But by the 2004 Olympics, he was dominating swimming. He ended up winning six gold medals. Jeez. In 2008, he was still dominating. He won eight gold medals. Jeez. In 2012, he won four gold medals. Jeez. In 2016, he won five gold medals. Wow. He retired from swimming, having won more gold medals than 161 countries in their history. In international competition, including Pan Pacific Championships, World Championships, and Olympics, he has won 82 medals, 23 of which are gold medals. He is considered one of the greatest Olympic gold medals, I should say. He is considered one of the greatest athletes of all time and definitely one of the greatest swimmers of all time. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. So that would be none other than Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is correct. Yes. 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 So Michael Phelps, uh, you know, he had a um, uh, a fun run in and uh, at you know in college at uh, in South Carolina. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's. You know he's he's a man of the people, and uh, that's a fact. You no, know, I gotta I gotta give him credit. I was actually gonna joke around and say Ryan Lochte, and then just be like, Nah, kidding. It's it's Michael Phelps. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know Michael Phelps. I remember growing up, and uh, you know when I was younger, it was just that was all you'd hear. And and I think Sports Center did a segment at one point of like the the greatest athletes, um, or maybe it was U.S. athletes in the in the world, or you know in America right now, and it's. I think it came down to like uh, Kobe Bryant, um, Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, and uh, and one other person. But Michael Phelps was that dude. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you can find anybody that's dominated a sport like he dominated that sport. I mean, like I just, I mean, twenty three gold medals. Like what? Most people don't yeah. even get anywhere close to winning a medal. Not a not a gold medal, any medal, any type. And he won I mean, to think that you were the best in the world for literally four four Olympics for 16 years, you were the the absolute best. 
I mean, insane just how dominant. And, and he retired. He retired, I believe, after the 2012. 12. 12 yeah. yeah. And then he came back. He said, you know what? I've got a little bit left in the tank. I, so I true. If he really wanted to. He probably you know, could have came back in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He. He could have come back this year if he had really trained for I mean, it and at least gotten one or two more. I mean, 36. He's 36 years young, just like uh, just just like Chris Paul. So there you go. That's a fact. If Chris Paul's throwing down, exactly. you know, dunks throwing down court, oops. Then... Why not? <laughs> Get in that pool, Michael Phelps. Do it, man. Do it. Nonetheless, still. Make a comeback. One of the greatest athletes of all time. Happy birthday, Michael Phelps. Enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Listeners, we are going to be right back. We are going to have none other than Flurry right here on the Doc G Show. Stick around. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very happy to have the very talented and gifted Lauren Strom, better known as Flurry. Flurry, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very exciting stuff. So uh, I actually just had your, I guess, tour mates on the show. Very exciting. Oh, Coming up awesome. in September, we had, uh, we had the fantastic band Colony House. And you were touring with them. Coming up, how excited are you for that? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. We uh, we talked about me joining them on one of their runs last year that didn't work out schedule-wise for me and then got cut short, you know, with COVID stuff as well, which was a, such a bummer for them. So I was so excited that they asked me to do this fall run. And they've been buddies of mine for, I don't know, a few years here in Nashville, and it's yeah. cool to do something with friends. So I'm really excited. For and sure, and they're an amazing live band. Very good. Like, a lot of yeah, a lot of energy, definitely. Yeah. De- now this is, but this is your first time touring with them. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Going out on the road with the with the dad crew. That's a fact. They're all dads. With the boys. The boys are back. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got, but they're, they're dads now. That's what I told him. I was like, it's crazy. Yeah, Everybody it's in the band is dads. Like, Yeah, they're they all, are. It's, it's wild. Now, like I mentioned to the listeners when we had Colony House on the show, uh, you've, got a, you've got a ton of opportunities to see both of these guys in Florida because... You've got That's five right. shows in the state of Florida, including one here in Jacksonville at 1904 Music Hall. So true. Uh, now, have you yourself played Florida a lot? Um, you know, I haven't toured as nearly as much as those guys have in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only played Florida, oh, I think one time. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2016, I toured with a hip-hop artist named NF, mm-hmm. and we did at least 
three or four shows through Florida. Okay. I don't think we did Jacksonville though, so that'll be new for me. Excited. Nice. Nice. We got a lot of energy here in Jacksonville. That's a fact. Doesn't doesn't really awesome. matter what what type of music it is. If there's live music, people will show up. That's pretty much. That's awesome. <laughs> pretty much the way it goes. Uh, and 1904 is uh, is a good place to, to play for sure. Shout out to 1904 Music Hall. Shout out. Now, amazing. I know you're pretty steeped in uh, in Christian Christian music in your past. Did you did you ever jam on uh, on Stephen Chapman, uh, Caleb's oh, dad? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, it's so wild. It's still pretty crazy for me. Both me and my parents are brains to wrap around that because. My parents got into like what was then called contemporary Christian music. You know, yeah. CCM was sort of the genre that they what they named it mm-hmm. in the uh, in the nineties when I was a kid. And I mean, I can remember several of his. We literally had tapes. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. Set tapes of his that we were playing through our little stereo in our family room and dancing around the room. And it's just kind of crazy to think that you know his kids were the same age as me in their living room. And one day we would. <laughs> be friends <laughs> exactly. it's awesome yeah it's uh i mean you know it's i told i told caleb it's a big uh, uh big shadow to step out of when you got a dad that's won five grammys that's not you yeah. know that's that's not that's not bad that's not uh most people <laughs> so can't true. say that man well i love that the boys have just like walked their own path though and i know that their parents have been fully supportive of them yeah you know following like the music that they want to make and um i'm just really proud of them because you're right that would be tough i don't have that (laughs) that shadow in my life for sure (laughs) well you know they uh he uh, caleb told me how he just sort of um you know his his dad didn't didn't press anything didn't press them to learn music didn't press them to play what type of music it was just like if you if you want the help i'll give it to you if not i'll just step back so and i love that you know caleb said he still every single song they make basically they run it past him first and is like does this sound good you know that's like the first first check if if it's good or not is is dad all right check good we got dad's approval go for it well uh let's talk about your sort of start in music uh you started playing back you're from michigan and uh Mm -hmm. your mom made you start learning the piano it was sort of one of those and i've heard this a lot with with other artists Mm -hmm. sort of a force of like hey you're gonna do this you may not like it but if you don't like it we'll let you quit after a while but you got to do it for a little bit that's right Uh, well you know she had good reason for that because um we have a, we've always had this piano that was hers from her childhood home. She mm-hmm. got given when she got married and moved out and stuff. And I would always be sitting at the piano dabbling and things, you mm-hmm. know, and one of my friends would come over and show me how to play a simple song like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or something. And mm-hmm. I would really care to learn it and keep playing it. So, I mean, she was seeing both my parents. They were like seeing this is a gift that you have, something you're drawn to. But I had just had a bad experience in like a group piano mm-hmm. lesson thing. Just bad because it was like really hard to have six kids in a room on headphone <laughs> keyboards, you know. And you're waiting for the teacher to come over for so long that you can't really do anything because you don't know. It was just really tough. So I thought that's what piano lessons was like. And my mom's like, no, I think a one-on-one experience, you're going to love it. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think that was horrible. Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long did it take you in those sort of regular 
lessons, the one-on-one lessons before you realize like, oh man, this is pretty awesome. I do like this. I mean, like a couple weeks, like I was obsessed. I had an amazing teacher and she, she understood she had, um, nine kids of her own. And Mm. she, so she was just a very patient and wise woman. And (laughs) she understood how to mix in classical music and contemporary music, like pop music, you know, Mm -hmm. at the same time. So that I always had, I was always learning a piece that like, I would be excited to play my friends, you know, like here's a song that's on the radio right now. And then I'd be learning the harder classical stuff, but she just really cared about her students. She cared about helping you find the types of music that really you connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she would, you know, really dig to find more pieces by those same composers or in the same genre and stuff. So she just, she wanted people to understand how amazing music was. And that was crucial. Good, good teacher sure. makes all the difference. Good teacher. Yeah. Shout out to Miss Duncan. I've done it a hundred times on the show, but yeah. my my band teacher was amazing. I was just a horrible musician, That's so fair. you know. <laughs> she she had the patience too. I just didn't have any talent, nope. so there was a. <laughs> she she would have sat there for a long time, but it was like, yeah, yeah, we might want to try something else. Uh, <laughs> now you you started like you said playing on the piano, but I heard when you first started doing recitals, you weren't like a you weren't a fan of singing. Oh yeah, no, I was super nervous. Even just to play recitals with piano, I was super nervous. Okay, when, it freaked me out. When did you <laughs> when did you work into to singing in front of people? Well, I was always kind of doing it in church, which feels so much different. It feels safer because it's not really a performance. You're kind of like leading people and singing. Yeah, and, you know, it's not supposed to be about you. It's about right. you just using your gifts to serve. So I think that was sort of my gateway. Um, with that but my parents were always like volunteering me for things and because they knew that if i someone was counting on me i wasn't going to let them down you know so they'd be like well we told them you sing like the national anthem at this like i did it at this um benefit run one thanksgiving for like or halloween for like leukemia benefit type thing mm. you know it was yeah. like they had a friend who was putting on this huge like there were i think five thousand people there and they convinced Ooh. me to sing the national anthem because they wanted a kid to do it Stuff like that. I was like, so I just hated it, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I was about to say, 5,000 people, that's a big deal when you're, especially when you're a kid. Well, I was like, I was 10 years old and I got there and I went, Dad, how many people do you think are here? And he, being a very smart man, goes, Lowballed it. You know, probably, like, he goes, probably like 100 <laughs> because he knew 100 was like more than my brain could comprehend. Yeah. Know? And I was like, 100. Oh, hundred people are here and then after i sang we got in the car and went home and he said just so you know there was five thousand people <laughs> i was like what you think so maybe at some there you would have looked out and been like i think this is more than a hundred didn't have a talent for math well you're also probably so freaked out you don't even notice you're probably just like get it over with now exactly now you uh, you seem to enjoy, though, like, you know, I mean, everything through growing up in Michigan, those performances and everything. And it, and I heard you say you, you just liked life where you were at, but then you decided yeah. to go to Hillsong College in, uh, yeah. in Sydney, Australia, which is yeah. 
literally 10,000 miles away. Uh, I, I Googled it. It's 9,700 miles from, uh, from Michigan. And I was like, oh, wow. What made you decide to go so far for college? You know, I mean, the simple answer that will make sense to some people and not to others is I just felt the calling of God. Like, I mm. just had this really strong sense when I came across the fact that they had a college because I listened to like the music coming out of that church a lot. Mm. And I was like, I just know I'm supposed to be there. And I remember thinking it just kind of wouldn't leave me, you know, and it got to that point where I, I was like, I feel like I can't eat. I can't sleep. Like I have to tell my parents this, but if they don't say yes, I can't go. Like I don't have money for college. They were going to yeah. pay for that. And um, so I finally worked up the courage to tell them that I was, because at the time we, I just applied to all these Michigan colleges and I was mm-hmm. going to study interior design mm. and music just kept becoming a bigger and bigger part of my life. And I had started singing songs that I'd written at coffee shops and stuff like that, like little open mic kind of things around town. And my parents just kept encouraging me. And my dad finally said to me after I said, Hey, I think I'm supposed to go to, to Hillsong college. They were both like, I think you are like, they immediately were like, yes. Like they didn't want me to leave and they were really sad, but they, they knew it was right. It resonated with their spirit too. Man. So he, he sat me down and he goes, you know, I know you think it's just because I'm your dad and that I obviously am biased, but I've <laughs> always thought you were going to end up in music somewhere or another. And I figured it, you wouldn't realize it till way after college when you got a degree in something else. But like, I'm glad you're realizing it now. <laughs> and I was like, dad. Man, so that, sweet. that's so much better of a reason than why you went far away from home for school. Mine was just because it was warmer than where I grew up. So, so I was like, let's you know go. What? Whatever as, it takes. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the warmest place I can. That's basically what I oh. went with, you know? So that's awesome. Now, be honest with me though. When you went to Australia on a scale of like one to 10, how concerned were you about being attacked by some kind of bizarre Australian animal? Oh, every day of my life for three years. (laughs) Every night of my life, I went to bed and prayed, please don't let a spider bite me in my sleep. Because I had friends go to the hospital for spider bites, all that kind of stuff. And I remember the very last night I was there, I was like, I just think it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> you know, like I made it this long, but it didn't. And I woke up and was like, thank you, Lord. And I'm getting on the plane and we finished. <laughs> what, did you did you see many weird animals while oh, you were there? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, like when I'm here and somebody sees a little spider and like screams, yeah. I, it feels like I'm looking at an ant. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, just kill it. Like, I saw gigantic <laughs> spiders in my home that I was like, if I try to kill it and it jumps on me, I could get, I could die. It may, like, yeah, <laughs> it may, it may win the war. Yeah. 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 Now, do you, I'm guessing so, you guys had the huntsman spiders in. Ew. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, we had a story just last week on the show about a pilot in, in a plane. And it was like, Mm -hmm. it was a private plane. And the two people that rented out the private plane were like filming the landing. And as they're filming the landing, the pilot like looks up over at the window and he's just like got these huge eyes and they look over and there's a, there's a six inch, uh, huntsman spider just crawling on the window. And like, of course, because it's, you know, the guy that's rented the plane, he's an Australian. He's like, whatever they're harmless (laughs) and he just starts laughing and when they hit the runway 
the the spider fell on the pilot's lap and the pilot's like ah, ah, and like freaking out and the guy's just laughing at him and i'm like aren't you a little worried that he's gonna wreck the plane like he's the yeah. pilot like but man those just I, I i hear it from every like friend that i've had that's australian they're like oh it's not they're completely harmless it's fine and i'm like yeah, but they're still gross. That's <laughs> like they're yeah. still giant spiders. It's oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I, I'm you, trying to get more in tune with nature because I have friends who like aren't scared of bugs or animals at all. You know, they'll mm -hmm. just pick anything up, and I'm like, you know, I've been taught to fear, like <laughs> just unconsciously, like. Yeah. That's just our society that we're so uncomfortable with that. And like, we don't actually have to feel that way. No. Yeah. <laughs> Unless something really is poisonous, then you obviously need to kind of freak out and get away from it. But. Well, for like most of like, like, like spiders, like that's the thing is like, I'm like, you're just gross, man. You just look gross. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. It's just like, like I, I, tr I try to let them, like, I'll try to let them go, but I'm like, oh. Oh, you know, if I can, if they're close to like a door, I will. I'll just I'll brush them. Out. I'm like, get out, man, get out. But like, uh, it's tough. It's tough. I uh, that was on the I, I was on the show too. I told uh, uh, I, my co-host we had I had a time where I woke up and there was a giant wolf spider on my back when I was sleeping. No. and that was. I mean, you know, it's it's no huntsman, that's but it was like brutal. it was like three inches across, and I was just like, yeah. well, "That's gross." That's a fact. Like there was just there was no getting around it. I was like, "Dude, yeah. why'd you have to ta tap dance on my back? That was gross." <laughs> like, it's unnecessary, man. But yeah, I'm I'm like yourself. I I try to try to harmonize a little bit more. Like okay, <laughs> but it's it, I mean in Australia, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you made it out, though. I'm glad there were no bad attacks. Uh, how, no. how long after finishing college there was it before you moved to Nashville? Um, it was actually only like two months. So I finished beginning of July. We have like a conference where they have a conference there every year, mm -hmm. and I stayed for like a week after and went to a friend's wedding. And then my sister had just graduated high school, my only sibling. Mm -hmm. So she's like four years younger. And um, I came home, you know, wanted to be home for her graduation party. And then we actually drove her all the way down to Florida for college. She went to um, Palm Beach Atlantic University in mm -hmm. West Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. And we were like, I knew that I wanted to look into moving to Nashville, but it wasn't even like crazy serious at that point. Like I kind of thought, we'll start taking trips down every couple months and I'll get a job at like Starbucks or something in my hometown, live with my parents for a while. Mm -hmm. And we came back through Nashville, just me and my parents driving home. And I ended up signing a lease. Like it just, <laughs> we found this place and it was just, you know, it was another gut feeling that all three of us were like, this is, a crazy deal it came out of nowhere it's where you're supposed to live and i moved like two weeks later in Man. september so it was pretty hectic and a lot of change in a very short period of time for sure yeah i mean australia to michigan to to nashville and the michigan yeah. was just a pit stop that was man yeah. man now i heard when you got <laughs> to nashville you were it, it was a little intimidating how talented yes, everybody is so. in in Nashville, yes. I, and, and and it's true. Like you go to Nashville, and like even the busboy at like Cheesecake Factory on, yeah. can like 
play eruption on yeah. the guitar and just like oh yeah, yeah this i just do it every now and then you're like what it's yeah. great and like i think that's so true it's so wild you know because there's like no other city that's known for like a talent like that like right <laughs> i always tell because we have every now and then we have like people like sports commentators on the show and i'm like how weird would it be if there was a city like that for a sport like if like yeah. Charlotte. So true. Just everyone was amazing. Yeah. Like if you went into Charlotte yeah. and instead of musicians, it was just like basketball talent. And everybody was just walking around like <laughs> dunking on everyone and dribbling between people's legs. Like <sighs> it's crazy. But like Nashville's like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And like, did you, I mean, did you think, did it give you second thoughts, obviously, of like, you know, oh man, am yeah. I talented enough well, to be that- here? I mean, I don't even think that was like me second guessing. I think I straight up definitely thought I was not talented <laughs> enough to be here. <laughs> I think it was a blessing in disguise in hindsight that I didn't have time to make a game plan before I moved. And again, like I think that that was just part of God's plan because if I had done it my way, it would have been like, okay, let's say I moved within six to 12 months of getting back from Australia. And mm-hmm. By this time, I've had time to, like, write some songs and get some stuff together and come visit and, you know, like, make friends and find a church and, like, all this stuff. And I just jumped into the deep end and was like, I have to figure out how to swim in real time here. Yeah. And I think the way that everything unfolded was just, it was so clear that it wasn't of my own effort and it wasn't of my own talent or anything like that. It was just, this is what's meant to be because it's unfolding in a way that I'm not out here with this big plan, putting it into action. And that's what's getting results. You know, Yeah, I think that's what's kept me grounded is like really like for me looking to God as my source of creativity and connections, you know, like I don't really like, I don't love the idea of networking. It's not that I don't <laughs> love the idea of just meeting people and organically connecting, Yeah, but I've never been, I've never seen true, like, amazing results from being on the grind, you know, being out there trying to just, like, make it happen. Yeah, and, like, show everyone what I've got and all this stuff. It's like, no, just be patient and kind of just show up and be part of people's lives. If If you really, like, invest in people, not for what you might get out of it someday, but you just, like, realize that life is about so much more than your own dreams and stuff, then it feels like your dreams kind of just work themselves out you know either you realize you didn't need the exact thing you thought that you needed to have fulfillment and happiness and all that stuff or it comes about as you're busy using your energy time and talents and stuff to serve other people and their visions you know Mm -hmm. it just always happens that way I i feel like that's another way of saying the the famous bruce lee quote be water you know, you you you're, mm, you're relaxing. Yeah. You're you're filling other people's uh, glasses. You're filling other spaces. You're bending that. to yeah. to the to the life that you're given. Be water. I, right. I love that one. Love that. Uh. Well. So, how long did it take? Uh. I I know you got a publishing deal not too long after you were there. How long was it before you? Because I know you sort of said you stumbled into that one too. Like. You had mm-hmm. no idea about <laughs> the sort of <laughs> publishing world. Yeah, which is so funny. Um, I, again, I was actually just like playing piano on Sundays and singing at this startup church that had just planted from sort of like a church in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the worship leaders 
who was there every couple weeks, he, one day he asked me, you know, like, do you have any songs recorded? And, um, I had actually just, I had been in Nashville about six months mm-hmm. and I had really been like, I got to do something or I got to move home. Like, I don't know how to get myself started, but I really got to figure it out. And I was praying about it and just felt like God kind of said, put something in my hand. Like you haven't <laughs> given me any way to show you to other people, you know? And I'm like, I don't know any musicians in this town. I barely know. I know a handful of people from this church and none of them really are musicians. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go back to Michigan, work with my buddies that I grew up with, who've always been in bands, always been recording their own stuff and just get some demos, you Mm -hmm. know? And they were so generous and kind to do that with me. Like they all work nine to fives, you know, it was like they get off work every night for a couple of weeks and we just work till like midnight and repeat again the next day. So eventually that guy kept the worship leader guy here in Nashville kept kind of hounding me to show him stuff. And I was still insecure because I was like, man, he's used to like a different level of quality (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) professionalism. And, but I finally showed him and he signed to the same publisher and they had just asked him, he had a lot of success with them in the sync world, which is, you know, licensing your music, kind of writing specifically a lot of the times, but overarching it's licensing your music for use in TV um, film, trailers, promotions, yeah. ads, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they had told him, like, we'd love for you to start signing people, you know, with us and him getting a cut of their side of it and everything. And it was just, it was the serendipity. It was like that he listened to it and was like, you have the right writing style. You have the right kind of voice for what they're looking for. Would you be interested? And I was like, of course. So then that took another probably eight to 12 months before I was signing the deal. I had to get a entertainment lawyer you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff so yeah. it was a long process <laughs> before I signed but um, I signed in April of 2014 so I'd been in Nashville like a year and a half nice that's yeah yeah that's 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 good work right there that's that's fast moving that's uh, fa- fast moving it, yeah right I mean, there. It, and you just didn't I had no idea it was that feeling of like isn't a publishing deal something an author has you know <laughs> like I knew that artists signed to record labels but i thought that everything was kind of just one like Mm -hmm. the sound recording and the publishing and everything they owned was just like this one piece and now i understand all the pieces of it you got you got to or you're gonna have a a lot of trouble while you're in nashville for sure for sure (laughs) well now since you've been in nashville for let's see i guess about nine years um Mm -hmm. we needed to talk about a very important topic when it comes to nashville food Mm. Um, Ooh. now yeah. I've had lots of guests from Nashville on the show and I've got lots <laughs> of recommendations for where I should eat. Wow! But if I'm coming to Nashville and I tell you, I've got one night to eat and I need your Ooh. number one recommendation. doesn't have to be the best place. doesn't have to be mm-hmm. what you think is the best. What are you feeling right now? If I were to ask, just ask you that question right now, what would you tell me? <sighs> You know, I would probably tell you Burger Up is like one of my favorite spots. Oh. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm one of those people who I get carry out a lot. I don't go out to eat a ton unless like friends invite me for different, you know, a birthday or something. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of like where is like a really, I'm not actually one of those people who's super hip on all the cool stuff. <laughs> But I love burgers, so I'll stick with Burger Up. I like it. They're amazing. That's that's the thing that amazes me, and I've said this so many times to the Nashville artists, but doesn't matter how many Nashville artists I have, 
I still get new recommendations, and that's a new recommendation. Oh, like I've Great. I've had other I've had other burger places like Pharmacy Burger, but I haven't had Burger Up. Yeah. So there you go. Pharmacy Burger is too heavy for me. Okay. Like I can't handle that much. I don't think they even that much carry grease. salad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need like a little something. I gotcha. I well, I noticed on Instagram you and Crema Coffee. You have a little bit of yeah. a love affair going back and forth there. You guys, <laughs> you, you guys, you guys seem to enjoy each other's company. Is that is that a place I should be going in Nashville? Oh, Crema is the best coffee we have here, and that's not even an opinion. That's literal fact. That's, like wow. they're in the top. I want to say that they've won top ten or top five in the world, like competitions for their beans and like it's, wow. They are insane. But what I love there is. Um, they have an ice latte that I'll get it with their house made. It's an almond coconut milk blend. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might even have macadamia nut. It's like a mixed blend, but they make it fresh every day. And so it just is so like thick and creamy. It's not like store-bought like almond milk or whatever. Mm. So anyways, it's Man. very good. Man. Now, now, now I'm putting it right up there with Burger Up. It's right there. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just have to come in in the morning. Go to Crema. Well, for... here's what you should do. Oh, I almost oh. said this place. There's a place called Pinewood Social. Okay. Have you heard of that one? I have not. That one is right across. I mean, it's a big, it's like a main street, but it's across the street from Crema. And they have Crema, they have a Crema coffee bar in there. But oh. it's like this old, it's such a bizarre, there's a bowling alley that they like literally <laughs> imported from like, I think they brought it in from Indiana, but it was like a vintage, like, I don't know, from the 40s or 50s. So it's like crazy old wood lanes and then they've got like a little pool that you can kind of wade in. It's not like a like, you know, lap pool. Mm-hmm. But they have a pool outside and like a cabana in the summer that has like its own taco truck thing. Man. And then they have amazing southern cuisine Man. kind of food and like a an amazing bar. So that is a place that I feel like people would love going. They just do everything there. It's a little bit of everything. They do everything. But it's like very, very uh, well done. Nice. Everything. Nice. I haven't bowled in a long yeah. time, so I'm gonna have to give that a give that a go. Yeah. Now, one last food question. Uh, yep. Word on the street. You may be planning. I don't know. I've heard this. Maybe planning down the road an international smoothie store. That's just <laughs> something. Maybe. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I mean, honestly, in my mind. Music is just a way for me to save up enough money knew to it. start my international smoothie I knew it. Yes. The real passion. It's smoothies. I love smoothies. I drank a smoothie before this call. Nice. And it was my own recipe that will probably end up being like one of my signature. Was it the green snickerdoodle? Kind of like it's the green snickerdoodle. Now, if I try this, will my mind be blown? If you like snickerdoodles, yes. Wow. Now, now I, I. It's kind of because bananas are in it. It kind of is almost like banana bread meat snickerdoodle. You know. Yeah. Yeah, now I, I'm not. Good. I'm not going to give the listeners the recipe. I don't want you to give it to them because I don't nope. want no. them. I don't want them to find this out. But listeners, your mind's going to be blown because there's <laughs> you, you. You've just got you've got almond milk and you've got you've got cinnamon in there. But that's that's basically. Yep. But there's there's all kinds of other curveballs in there that make it green. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. I'm going to have to give it a shot. I'm very excited about trying it's, this. Yeah. Now, I'm excited for that day. I feel like it'll probably be... 
sometime when I need like a year off the road or something <laughs> and I'm not making an album that's taking all of my money, then I'll start like, you know, a little pop-up stand at a farmer's market. Well, like I got to figure out how to start small and grow. Well, I was about to say the, the way things have been going, I feel like one day you'll like go to like, you know, Crema Coffee and there'll just be a <laughs> store open beside it and they'll be like, hey, Somebody needs to run a smoothie place over here. We've got, to, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be like, "Oh, you know what? I want to do that." So yes, I'll do it right here. That sounds good. You know, that'd be. Yes. And I mean, that would be very cool. And your your name works for a smoothie store. I feel like you know. That's true, Flurry but I have smoothies. a different name for this oh. company. Okay. But I won't say what it is yeah. because I haven't like copyrighted it. Obviously, right? It's the same thing with the <laughs> recipe, you know. I I I, I yep. mean, if if listeners want to dig, there's a podcast out there I that mean, she gives it away. I'm not worried about people finding a recipe because my thing is like it comes down to the ingredients, the equipment, like I you could give me a recipe from my local smoothie place that I go to all the time. And I'd never be able to make it the same as them unless I was That's getting, true. like, literally my fruit from the exact same place and That's using true. their industrial mixers and stuff. So yeah, and it's it's like it's you fine. said, too. Uh, you, you were talking about the difference between frozen and fresh. There is a very different mm -hmm. taste, a dev different consistency, a lot of things. Yep. To the connoisseur of yep. smoothies that calls the difference. And that's <laughs> what's going to be the difference in your international smoothie store. And I can't wait. I'm excited. Really, I just want to be able to be in any city in the world on tour. Because we've, weirdly enough, I've toured very small, you know, small venues and small, like, length of time. But short length of time. But I've toured more outside of the U.S. than, like, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be anywhere and be able to walk in and just be like, yeah, I'm the CEO of this chain. <laughs> like, that would be... So cool. Just, just basically, if there was some way you could have like a refrigerator in each, in each, or at least a, a hookup at somewhere else that you could be like, hey, can you make me oh, smoothie? Yeah. Thanks. Cool. And the people who work there just like watch my tour schedule and they're like, she's coming into the Paris we, location tomorrow. We know it. We, we gotta, we gotta be ready. We gotta be on tip top yeah. here. It's gonna be important. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if we can coincide those two things, smoothie and music making, world complete. World complete. Wow, truly. <laughs> well, on the, the flip side of that coin, let's go back to music. Uh, mm -hmm. Your first album, Love and War, uh, it wasn't really an intentional album in the sense like right. you didn't like go out and say, I'm going to make an album. It was more like, let right. me gather up some songs that I had done that you had done for for licensing for publishing purposes and you just needed to yes. to have something really to sell uh on tour and now yep. every song on that album has over a million streams on Spotify and Soldier oh, has 25 million and Hurts Like Hell has 60 million um don't keep up with my numbers so that's amazing <laughs> yeah well i mean does i mean me telling cool. you that does that blow your mind that you're like this yeah, album that i like did you expect that kind of sort of success from an album that you just sort of no. coalesced like that no and that's always how it's been it's like the stuff that i overthink and i put you know too much almost like i'm a too attached to it or i put too much like identity into it, it seems like the stuff that does it's like yeah it does okay but yeah. um 
it's always the stuff when I'm just like, you know what, I have this idea and I just kind of throw it out there and we do it and we move on. That seems to be the, the stuff that resonates probably because I don't have time to overthink it or I just don't worry about overthinking it. Well, so I, that is amazing. But yeah, I was going to say that I jump, jump a little bit ahead. Your, your first album actually that, you know, you made as far as your songs that you wanted to put together in an album mm -hmm. was Portals. And yeah. uh, now, you know, it didn't do, like you said, it didn't do as big yeah. a numbers as Love and right. War. Does that irk you? I mean, it would irk me. I, I mean, it, it did at the time, but I realized, like, oh, I mean, I knew in my gut that, like, that album, the purpose of that album was for me to find my own feeling in terms of what I could do with kind of on my own. I mean, mm -hmm. I had a good friend named Justin who did a lot of the producing with me and he really put a lot into that. Mm -hmm. But it was like neither of us had ever made an album and I could have asked like someone who was more experienced who could have taken it and shaped it into potentially something that was like bigger than what it was. Yeah. But I just didn't have peace about that. I was like, this album is for me to just get my feet wet, you know, nice. like get in the water and like start splashing around. And so I didn't, of course I was bummed that it didn't do like Love and War did, but then in hindsight, I'm really glad because it gave me so much more time to keep developing. And this time around, yeah, the album I'm about to put out, I worked with a really amazing producer here in Nashville. Um, and by the way, my friend Justin Amonrude, who did Portals with me, mm -hmm. has also grown leaps and bounds. But he did amazing on that record. But like the stuff he's doing now is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like, discrediting <laughs> him at all or his abilities because he is incredible. Didn't but, want yeah, to the be guy like, he's a rookie. Time, uh, it's, it's, no, I mean, but we were rookies when we made that record. I know he would admit that. We were both complete rookies. So it was cool to just kind of, like, be those two kids in little, you know, bedroom studio yeah. vibes. Yeah. And just making music for the joy of making music. And yeah. anyway. But, yeah, I worked with somebody this time around who's who's done a lot more producing. For sure. And is 10 years older than me versus being even, like, younger than me. Right. And so I think... I think I'm taking steps towards hopefully closing that gap a little bit, you know? Gotcha. But I still want to, like, closing the gap between... The two, I mean, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, like, my stuff is me kind of... My intentional albums versus my serving someone else's vision for TV film albums. Right. Um, I think we're, hopefully we'll close the gap and it will resonate with more people and still feel as strong, Personal. like, yeah. melodically, but also lyrically. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Now, well, so let's go back to Love and War real quick. The The biggest mm -hmm. album there, or the biggest song, was Hurts Like Hell. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about writing that, as far as why did you write it, what was it for, and when you wrote it, were you like, man, I nailed it. That was it. This is <laughs> this is a song no, right I, here. No, I didn't feel that. I um, Okay, so what happened, the whole genesis of that album was I did a song... I met that hip hop artist I mentioned, NF, mm -hmm. and we're both from Michigan. I don't, I met him through, I think his A&R at his label, who I had known in town and he was like, you should check out this, this guy we just signed, you know? And mm -hmm. I was like, this kid's amazing. And our Facebook messaged him. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'll be in town soon. Let's write. We wrote a song that he happened to just love and it became like a title track on his record. Mm -hmm. And he had two producers he worked with at the time, the one who produced that song for us, and then another guy named Tommy Prophet, who's mm -hmm. also from Michigan. 
mm-hmm. and um, NF label capital also represented Tommy just on publishing. And they were like, Hey, we want to start doing think camps for our writers. Mm-hmm. And you know, you kind of are in that world and we think you'd work well with this guy, Tommy profit, mm-hmm. you know, he's NF's friend. And so we got together and the first day we met, we wrote soldier Mm-hmm. And he had never done a cinematic song. I had never done like a trailer. I had just done kind of more moody, acoustic y type yeah. stuff, you know? So it was like brand new for both of us. And we just, we really like loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we felt like that song was really amazing. It did end up getting a lot of things. Yeah. So after that, I I had had this song called Hurts Like Hell that I wrote in college um, while I was deep into the Hunger Games book series <laughs> before the movies came out. Nice. And I was like, deep into them and um i wrote a song called hurts like hell about that like love triangle of kind of that main girl character um who she's she's kind of caught between two guys but more than that she's just afraid to love at all because she's afraid to love is to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable means like to die Mm -hmm. in that setting you know and so i kind of could like relate because i was going through kind of a bad I was really depressed at the time and was just kind of like struggling to go deep with people because mm-hmm. of all like to let people into that space with me and so it was it was personal but it was also like I was kind of attached kind of detached from it yeah and I was always like man someday if I meet the right producer I want to do something with this song and I just knew after we did soldier that Tommy would fully respect all my ideas around it and he would bring life to it. And yeah. so we got together and then we wrote the bridge together. I didn't have that part. So it became a co-write. And yeah, I mean, we were like, this song hits, but we also like had no, this was like the second like cinematic type song either of us had ever done. We didn't really have a frame of reference. Yeah. I remember hoping that it would get in the Hunger Games movies. <laughs> and I then, it was so crazy. The year we wrote that, I want to say in like the fall of whatever year it was maybe 2015 or something and it was like it was the next like maybe 2014 it was the next um summer that we did my publishers weekly or annual week of like sync camp and they Mm -hmm. fly in all these music supervisors the people who choose the music for movies and tv Mm -hmm. shows and stuff and this girl comes up to me and she goes well this woman comes up to me and she goes are you flurry and i'm like yeah and she's like oh i'm casey i've wanted to meet you like i've put your stuff in some different shows you know and so we're connecting and she's one of the main supervisors for Grey's Anatomy and some mm-hmm. other like really big shows yeah and I look at her and I go are you doing Hunger Games and she's and it was like the last Hunger Games movie was about to come out yeah like in a few months you know and she's like yeah I just finished the last soundtrack and I was like no I was like Casey I have the end credit song like it needs to be there and she was like actually devastated like she looked at me and she's like I, I wish I would have known, but we had just finished it. Like, so it wasn't meant to be, but it was devastating that I was literally standing there being approached by the person who yeah. chooses the music thinking like they are a fan of me already. Mm. I could have had this in, but it may have not worked anyway, because got... I think everyone on that soundtrack was on major labels. And I think that's how it was the wanting they the, wanted it to be so the wa- anyway <laughs> the water got poured out of the glass that time ah oh, had- the one that got away <laughs> oh man well well you cool. and tommy actually did other things i mean you just yeah. a couple of years ago you guys covered uh, uh in the end the lincoln park oh, cover yeah. mm-hmm. which talk about popular 
I mean, that thing yeah, that got crazy. has got 150 million streams on Spotify and it's got like, it's, yeah. it's approaching the videos approaching a billion on YouTube. It's got like 780 million. Mm -hmm. Who's, whose idea was it to cover, uh, Lincoln park? And it was Tommy's nice. So yeah. Tommy actually like <laughs> probably every time we got together for like a year, if not longer, we'd be working on something else and we would get together and once a month or a couple times every other month kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Cause he was still in, I think he was still in Michigan at the time. He may have just moved here, but anyway, every time he'd be like, dude, can you sing down this Lincoln park cover? Just sing it. And I'm like, I'm so tired. Like he would say it at the end of the session. I'm like, I'll do it next time, you know? <laughs> and he just kept saying it. And then he finally, this one day he goes, Lauren, one take like five minutes. And I think it was just because I didn't have a personal connection to the song. It wasn't yeah. like it was my favorite song growing up. I was kind of like, I had to have him play it for me because I didn't know that I had the melody 100%. Mm -hmm. And I think I sang it down two times. Like, I mean, that you want to talk about putting in the smallest amount of effort for the greatest reward possible. Like, yeah. I sang it down. He's like, great. That's it. That's all I need. And <laughs> I think that's so God, like, to show off and be like, actually, it's whatever I want to, like, allow yeah. You know? <laughs> well, well, I mean, that that's that sort of answers my other question about it. Because, you know, I mean, like you said, so many people have a connection to that song. So many people love that song. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh, man, I don't know. If I was a singer, I'd be like hesitant to sing it, you know, just, just because right. Chester had passed away like a year before that. And like, but yep. I guess you not knowing it sort of was like, all right, well, I can do this. Yeah, sure. Let's go, Freud. Why, why? He's been asking yeah. me to do it for for a year. Fine, I'll sing these. I'll, I'll sing yeah, this I chorus. Yeah, I wasn't intimidated. You're absolutely right. I wasn't intimidated by it because I was just like, yeah, it's whatever. I mean, I knew the guy had passed away, but again, I didn't feel opportunistic or anything. I think he just genuinely loved the song. Yeah. Wanted to cover it. And Man. Tommy is not an opportunistic type person. He's just very like, if something strikes him, He's like, it's in my mind for a reason. Like, there's somebody somewhere who needs to hear this is going to help them in yeah. some way, you know? Yeah. So. But, I mean, you know, th to be honest, yeah. I I'm not a huge Linkin Park fan, uh, but, mm -hmm. like, I like it slowed down more with, like, I like it with, yeah. I, I like it with that sort of more... I, I guess you'd say laid back feeling as opposed to more of like that yearning yeah. feeling that they had in theirs and that sort of higher, you know, obviously higher uh, guitar and, and harder right. sort of edge to it. I like it a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think, I think it fits the lyrics more, but you know, uh, I, I, d I definitely can vibe with the, uh, the Tommy, uh, Flory, uh, remix. That's, that's <laughs> Thank the you. good side. <laughs> Um, well, so let's go back to, to portals. One thing I wanted to ask about portals, you, you have a photo shoot, uh, that, you know, it's actually still the backdrop of, uh, Spotify that I think you did for portals and like, you, oh, yeah. you've got these like tiny blue glass panes, I think like on your eye. Yeah. They're little mirror pieces of mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I was just really curious. Could you, could you open your eyelid all the way with those? Was that uncomfortable? <laughs> I was very, I was very nervous. I was going to cut my eye. Yeah. Um, well, they were supposed to be like, because the cover of the album is a disco ball mm -hmm. made into a globe. Yeah. So it was kind of like putting those on my lip and on my eye. Um, you were merging into it. I did not get it. cut, luckily. No. Yeah. 
Nice. Good. I was I was like, that seems very uncomfortable for the eyelid. <laughs> it was. <laughs> does not seem like something I'd want to put on every day. <laughs> Good thing it was just for a shoot. Nope. Um, yep. Well, you talked about some of the streaming there, and I noticed. I since you said you don't really look at your numbers, I'm guessing you don't. You haven't noticed this either. No. But I I was looking on Spotify, and you have a huge international following. Uh, yes, I do. Your top five listening locations are all outside of the U.S. Hmm. And that's so cool. Turkey has two of the yeah, top I was gonna spots. Yeah, I feel like Turkey is in there. Yeah. Isn't it? They have two of the top spots. Uh, what? That's killer. What do you think? Like, why do you think your music lands so well internationally? I think it's because the main way that people hear about me now is through TV and film. Mm-hmm. And I think that America is the most oversaturated music market mm-hmm. um, in terms of like most of my friends are not watching TV shows now, even fully paying attention to them, you know, yeah. and I don't, I've never like lived anywhere besides here or Australia. So it's like, I don't really know what other cultures are, but it seems to me like they're hungry to see what's popping in America, you yeah. know? So it's like, whatever is used in a TV show, they're going to be like, what is this music? Yeah. And look it up versus we are sitting here watching like three shows at one time on like our, all of our tablets yeah. while it, making dinner, while doing other stuff. We're not giving it the same attention. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could, I could definitely see that. I could definitely, I mean, and I've seen it actually with some of the other artists that we've had that are bigger into sinking world. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, Zade's one, Zade Wolf. Uh, he's got yeah 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 Dustin yeah he's got you know he's definitely got a bigger international following because of all the the sinking that he's done and I think there's there's definitely something to it as far as yeah like you said TV and film uh, connection that you see there for sure but it's definitely really yeah. cool to think no doubt uh, I I, th- I think it would be at least to be like wow there's 60,000 people in Turkey right now jamming on my tunes. That's, that, yeah, that's so cool. That's I mean that's got to be wild. So yeah. so you've got you've like you said you you've got a new album coming out. Uh and this is again, this is a this is a full intentional album and you have a theme to this album. It's it's sort of a, a coming of age story mm-hmm. of a girl that goes out to LA little bit mm-hmm autobiographical but not because you didn't go to LA but it's still sort of an idea of like you know coming uh, you know coming into uh, her own uh, yeah now did you go into the album with the mindset like I'm going to have this theme or did it just sort of balloon oh, yeah. into that no I had the and I'm not gonna I won't share it now because I want it to be a surprise but I had mm-hmm. the title for the record mm-hmm. and the whole concept for like years mm. so um I think there's some certain things about it that became more crystallized and more uh clear you know as as we made it mm-hmm. but I really just wanted to give myself like freedom to um to write my own story, but to also add and embellish and write parts of it that never happened to me because I wanted to like take the magic of what happens in the writing room when I'm writing for TV film, where I feel like I just have full liberty to say whatever I want. It doesn't have to be like, is that true to my story? You know? Yeah. 
Um, but I also still didn't want to be so detached. Like I wanted to be able to share my own stuff where and how I wanted to. So that kind of helped me just create like a framework of a license that I'm like writing through a character, but in some ways she's me and in some ways she's different than me. Gotcha. But you still, if it were like a movie, you could probably have that based on a true story thing at the bottom, or inspired. This would yeah. be an inspired uh, by... No, this wouldn't be based on a true story. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, wouldn't be that close. There's just some tidbits that you throw no. in every now and then. Yeah, we went really hard after California. I felt really passionate that it was supposed to be a record about California and about Los Angeles specifically. Mm. So that's the setting, you know, that, nice. like that's where she's, she's just encountering all of these different kinds of people and it's like a little bit more hard edge telling their stories yeah Yeah, exactly yeah exactly well well, now this whole album like you said you you got a a producer jt daily how did you guys start working together uh we met through my friend uh carrie o'donohue carrie carpenter is her maiden name that she still writes under i think Mm -hmm. and she's been working with him for a long time um and she just I was kind of, she knew I was in kind of a rut last year, emotionally and mentally with the pandemic, thinking mm-hmm. like, how am I going to make this happen? She was like, why don't you guys just meet? And both of us had great respect for one another and our each other's art, but I think we both just thought we wouldn't be a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. We were really surprised when, after the first meeting, I called her and I was like, I really want to make a record with him. And she goes, dude, as soon as you left, he looked at me and went, I really want to produce her record. <laughs> like we're both like in shock. So it nice. was really cool that that worked out that way. Nice. And and so now the whole album has already been sort of done, right? It's, it's completed. Yeah, it's done. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that, but I think there's some like bonus tracks and stuff that we'll end up doing okay. over the next year. But nice. yeah, it's pretty much done. Yeah. It's pretty much done. Now all the, now all the legwork on the marketing media team is in action. Yes. Okay. Now, how, exactly. How close are we to releasing some singles for this album? Well, um, potentially by the time I'm on the road. Okay. Okay. That's all that I can say. You you hear it, <laughs> listeners? Almost just two months. Two months potentially. <laughs> now, what's uh, aside from going on the road? What's the what's the rest of the plans for 2021? Um, I'm working on videos for this record and. Um, I mean, it's just a lot of work, all the branding and photos and website and, uh, other writing sessions and then just like involvement in all of my friends' lives and <laughs> stuff. So pretty much that and getting ready for tour. Push, pushing the album across the finish line, getting things yep. ready and going on tour. Sounds like a, yep. sounds like a fantastic 2021, the rest of it. Fingers yeah. crossed. It's- Oh, I'm so grateful. Getting to go back on the road is definitely going to be a, a good feeling. I bet you're excited for that, for sure. Yeah, huge blessing. Well, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Well, listeners, you can check out all things Flurry at her site, flurrymusic.com, where you can check her out on social media. Same deal, Flurry Music. Right now, let's take a listen to Consulate. Right here on the Doc G Show. And 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Flurry, and you just heard me talking to Flurry. Fantastic. Super nice. Super nice lady there. I enjoyed talking to her. Uh, good stuff there, Claude. Now, as the listeners know... We always got to check out the menu of the uh, of the restaurant suggested. Burger Up yes! is where we went during that last musical break. Uh, Claude, what are you looking at on on Burger Up? What are you thinking? So, pretty impressed with the menu, and I, I am a huge. I wish one of my jobs was to just go around the world and travel and. <laughs> Try different foods. Um, so I, Don't I we came all. up with a smorgasbord. <laughs> yeah, an influencer, food influencer. Yeah. Mm. Um, I came up with a smorgasbord here. So I would. I'm going to do a full course. And, okay. Um, Give it to us. You know, I'm. I, I'm going to start with my appetizer and mm-hmm. go with some fried mac and cheese bites. Oh, um, that's right. Now, now, listeners, that comes with a honey Dijon aioli and a Jack Daniel's maple ketchup. Yeah. Oh man, sounds yeah. so good. And and then I'm gonna transition. I'm gonna kind of like smooth over the mac and cheese with the friedness with uh-huh. a little a little cup of loaded potato Say soup. What? Whoa, whoa! I oh, like yeah. it. I like it. Right after the soup, you can transition into your main entree, which mm-hmm. I'm gonna go all out with a Woodstock burger. Mm. And the Woodstock burger is Bitten's bacon, Tennessee mm. Sweetwater white cheddar. And Jack Daniels maple ketchup. Oh, so I'm man. gonna make it a double burger and Whoa. add a fried egg to it. Whoa. Whoa, man. God oh, yeah. Claude is going all in, folks. He is going it's, all in. Now I'm I'm leaving Tampa after this and I'm I'm heading to Nashville. <laughs> now now what what where are you going with the uh the doneness of the burger? What are you doing? So I you know, I feel like you could tell a restaurant that you want medium, uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. or you you know it doesn't. Or excuse me, it doesn't matter what you tell them; they're just going to cook it medium. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I normally just say medium to be safe. I don't want something super rare. I don't want something that's super not, chewy. I just n- not with a burger, right? Like I've yeah. never got that when people try to get like a, a like a, a rare or a medium rare with a burger. I'm like, it's a burger. It's crappy meat. Like, I mean, it's not going to be good. The, the reason you, you're getting this meat is because it's got lots of fat, and you're going to make it into a delicious patty. Like, you're not. it's not yeah. a steak. Like, a steak? Yeah, go rare. But a burger? Come on. So, exactly. Uh, how are we finishing off this meal? Hmm. So, uh, that burger is going to have, oh, man, I want that burger right now. It's going to have a side of sweet potato fries. Ooh, nice. And I'm capping it all off with... Krispy Kreme donut pudding. Oh, oh, get out of town. Uh, If the listeners aren't hungry after that, then they don't have an appetite. Let's get Guy Fieri on on the line and let's head to Nashville (laughs) as soon as possible. Man, man, I I think I'm going to go everything that you did, except I'm just going to change... One thing, I'm going to go with the fried Vidalia onion tower instead of the sweet uh, potato fries. That's what I'm going to go sweet. with. Ooh, yeah, that sounds really good. I, I love some I love some fried onions, man. I love some fried onions. So, uh, listeners, if you're in Nashville, listen to Flurry. Go to Burger Up and just have yourself a day. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> We'll see you it, there. <laughs> and along with that, 
uh, watch out for frightening animals when you're in Australia. Yes! That's also uh, a safety tip for all of those listeners out there. Oh, all the people in Australia already know this. Listeners know this for most of them. But the main thing that I was talking to, to Flurry about was the huntsman spider. Those things are just frightening, Claude. They're, fr- they're, not, they're not poisonous. And and all Australians will tell you, oh, don't worry about them. They're not poisonous. I'm like, I know they're not poisonous, but they're bigger than my hand, and that's creepy. It's just <laughs> really, really creepy. That's a fact. Like, they're huge, Claude. They're huge. Have you ever... There's, I'm not a fan. There's, there's a YouTube video, super famous, probably like one of the first like really big... I think it came out like... 2008 or 9 or something like that. But there was a there was a video of this dude putting a Tupperware container over a Huntsman spider on the ceiling and he didn't quite cover the Huntsman spider and it just like jumped on his face. Jeez. No thank you. Oh. That is not happening to me. That is if if I were that guy and I came in and saw that spider, I'd be like, "No. Oh, looks like we no longer live in this house." Okay, and I just leave. Called just Terminex the, of Australia. Oh God, you need you need more like the military. There's no way you're getting that thing down with just a t- Terminex. <laughs> no, thank you. Anyways, I'm glad to hear that that Flurry did not get attacked by any vicious spiders while she was in Australia. That makes me feel good. That thank 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 the Lord. Well, guys. Thank you, Flurry, for coming on the show. Make sure you guys check out her new music. Make sure, if you get a chance, check out her show at the 1904 Music Hall here in Jacksonville on uh, September 18th. Uh, Claude, it is time for the last birthday suit. Yes. Let's do it. I'm ready. We're two for two, so this is a big one. This is a big one, and it's coming up, I, I think... I'm almost positive you're going to get this one. Why? Now, I had this originally when I thought I was going to have a different co-host. I had it at 60% because this was a mere mortal's guess of not a NBA <laughs> analyst. But Claude, I have this at 100% because it is a basketball player. Now That's, that's pressure. That's a lot of pressure. I know. I wanted to put the pressure on you. You're going to have to come up Dame Dollar style here. You're going to have to do I it. I can do it. Now, uh, this is, he's a, he's, a, he's a journeyman, but I'm pretty positive you'll get it. Here we go. Uh, born on June 30th, 1985 in Miami, Florida. Birthday suit wearer moved to California at a young age. Fell in love with basketball. He led his high school to two state titles and was listed as a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He ended up committing to UCLA and playing the 2003-2004 season with UCLA, he averaged 11.6 points and 6.5 rebounds a game. After that single season, he declared for the NBA draft. He was picked 43rd overall by the New York Knicks. He was with the Knicks for two seasons before being traded to the uh, Magic for Steve Francis. He was then traded to the Los Angeles Lakers, where he was an integral part of them winning the championship in 2009. That's a fact. That same year, he was traded to the Rockets. Then in 2010, he was traded to the Hornets. Then in 2012, he was traded to the Wizards. Then in 2014, he was traded back to the Rockets, where he actually stayed somewhere for four seasons. Then he was traded to the Suns for a season. Then he was traded to the Wizards. 
And he was traded to the Sacramento Kings. Jeez. Then in 2020, he was traded to the Portland Trailblazers. And now he's been traded to the Miami Heat in 2021. So in case you didn't keep up, listeners, he's been he's played for 10 different teams over his career, and he's been traded 11 times. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. That 11 times is more than any other player in NBA history. It's Trevor Ariza. Wow, there it is. Trevor Ariza. I knew. I know you'd get it. I was Man. not concerned. So it- I didn't really grasp it in my mind until you hit the Lakers where right, he helped right. them win the championships. Yeah. I, when you spoke about UCLA and, and his early career, I was like, man, who is this? But yeah, what a journeyman and a great team player, team vet. I had no idea. Like, literally all I thought for Trevor Rizzo was Lakers, Wizards, and Rockets. That's all I thought. All of those other teams, I did not think of. I mean, I'm sure I realized he was on those teams in different years. But those were the only three teams because those were like teams that like he had a big role in, that he did a lot of things with. And just like, I mean, 11 trades. It's crazy. That's insane. 10 different teams. I mean, like, the odds are if you're on a team with Trevor Reza, like, when you go to your next game, he's going to be like, yeah, I played for this team. Like, every, like, <laughs> this is, there's a third chance that he's going to be like, yeah, this team I played for. Yeah, this is, I remember. Yeah, I know what their home, their home locker room looks like. Yeah, that's, uh, like, it's crazy. It's crazy, I'm pretty, Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were teams, you know, he didn't actually suit up for, I wonder if he would ever get a, a collection of all of you know these these teams jerseys. You know, his jerseys yeah and uh, and keep them because I and I could be wrong here but do you remember when Carmelo Anthony had his falling out in the NBA yeah um, I'm pretty sure wasn't he traded after the Thunder uh, I, or excuse me excuse me didn't he didn't he go to Atlanta and yeah. not play for them and they bought I think him so. out I think so yeah. Yeah, I would love like a Carmelo Atlanta Hawks jersey, and mm. everyone would be like, "What is that?" But Trevor Ariza should totally do that for the teams he didn't play for. Deep cut, I like that. Yeah, getting one of those sort of like the get a get a Kobe Bryant Charlotte Hornets jersey, where yeah, never exactly. That'd be it. Not, oh, man. that's a, You hear that out there, retro jersey makers? You need to start making some of those. Those would be so true. just for all the NBA nerds out there. They'd get so excited. Like, oh, I know what you're talking about there. <laughs> yeah. A mod, modern day uh, NBA fans, you could do a, um, uh, just so it's relevant, you could do a, a Luka Doncic Hawks jersey and yeah. a Trey Young Trae Mavs Young jersey. Mav jersey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, you'd get Claude fired up with these jerseys. I'm, um, I'm pumped right now. Yeah, now I got to uh, order a Trevor Ariza jersey for the collection. Oh, man. June, well, he's got the same birthday as Michael Phelps, turning the young 36 with Trevor Ariza, too. Happy birthday, Trevor. Uh, Happy birthday. Yes, indeed, man. Hopefully, hopefully for you, just for the traveling, Miami's the last one. That's the stopping point. Let's <laughs> let's hope. It's a good place to stop too. It's a good place to end up, and it's your home. It's your home. Uh, it's where you were born, Miami. There you go. That's right. Uh, anyways, Claude, we have some fantastic shows coming up. We've got Sam Tanes next week on the show. Can't wait to talk to this guy. He's burning it up as an artist. He's got like three million monthly listeners on Spotify. Just killing the music game. 
Very excited. Yeah. Very excited to talk to him. We've got a couple others. I'm moving around. We'll see. But, of course, we need to get in an off-season NBA uh, 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 convo. We need to get a show, off-season NBA talks, uh, you know, to, to let the fans know, you know? Most let- most definitely, and I think what uh, what's going to be exciting here is, like I said earlier in the show, um, when we were touching a little bit on the NBA, and mm-hmm. this is the first time, and I, and I mentioned three guys, you really could say four. It's the first time uh, in a long time that you're not going to see uh, Steph Curry, um, LeBron, uh, Kobe, or Kawhi Leonard um, in the finals, and that's yeah. Kawhi's obviously injured right now. I don't expect him to come back for no. the playoffs, but. Um, it'll be the first time we get to see, you know, somebody else kind of take the, the throne here for a minute. Um, Wild. Shout out to Toronto, by the way, for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they, shout- they're like the lone exception in the group. <laughs> shout out to the weirdos that won at one time there. And I mean, they could have, I mean, Abaka and, and Kawhi could have done it again on the Clippers, but, uh, both of them are injured. So there you go. Oh mm-hmm. man. There you go. I mean, just think of how different that Clippers team would be with those two guys. Uh, and just, uh, and Zubac is hurt now. Yeah, as well, now so. too. They they're, they're just they're loaded up with injuries, man. They're loaded up with injuries. Luckily, man came out of nowhere. Mama, go, there goes that man. I'm checking it. I'm gonna check it. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Anyways, listeners, thank you for listening to another show. This has been the Doc G Show. I have been your host, Doc G. With me. Once again, Claude, fly till I die. Lathan, thank you for being on the show, Claude. Always a pleasure. Happy to be here and looking forward to the next time we can uh, hop on a session for the NBA. For sure. For sure. Listeners, until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Oh.